has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the sons of God. Isaiah chapter 63, beginning in verse 7. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses, for he said, Surely they are my people, children who will not lie. So he became their Savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy. And he fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people, saying, Where is he who brought them out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit within them? Who led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make for himself an everlasting name? Who led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness that they might not stumble? As a beast goes down into the valley and the Spirit of the Lord causes him to rest, so you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading in verse 9. Through 34. <laughs> Hang on. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven you are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in a boat, mending their nets, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Then they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region of Galilee. Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. One of the features of Mark's gospel is this one event followed by another event, followed by another event, followed by another event, followed by another event. He is laying out the acts of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that book called The Acts of the Apostles. Well, of all the gospels, Mark's gospel could be called The Acts of Jesus Christ. And by the way, as I mentioned last week when we began this series, <clears throat> the early church fathers... <clears throat> actually suggested this could authentically be called the gospel according to Peter. Because in the last years of Peter's life, Mark worked with Peter. In 1 Peter 5.13, Peter mentions Mark as an associate of his in his ministry. And so where did Mark get this narrative? He would have gotten it very easily right there. We could almost say that Mark was Peter's scribe. 
as Peter's laying this out. But it's one event after another event, after another event, after another event. And one of the things we see here is that Jesus is calling tradesmen. He's calling tradesmen. Of the apostles, he calls men who are used to working with their hands. Jesus is the son of the carpenter. Jesus did carpentry work. He's calling tradesmen. He's calling people who know how to do tasks. If they're confronted with a task, they get after it. They know how to cast a net. They know how to pull in a full net. They know how to wash the net. They know how to repair the net. They got a job to do. And by the way, they're not going to have food on their table if they don't get it done. They know what it means to be confronted with with a task and then go do it, do it, do it. And these are the kind of people that Jesus will be calling. But notice in the beginning of our narrative that we read, Jesus goes to John the Baptist. John the Baptist, where we focused much of our message last week on John the Baptist's ministry of what sort it was. This was a man who paid a big price put himself through a lot in order to communicate his message, the message he had been given by God to speak to the Jewish culture. What was his message? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, the Jewish people who had sat in the synagogues hearing the words of the prophets read to them, what did they know about the installation of the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom? The initial phase of the kingdom coming is going to be a time of severe, severe judgment where the sheep will be separated from the goats, where the authentic believers will be led into a new Jerusalem, where they will be welcomed, but there will be a great judgment where the people who have been in rebellion against God, whether Jews or Gentiles, will be separated out and judged. And so what is the response of the Jewish people? Many of them to John the Baptist, they went out to the wilderness. John didn't preach this message in in downtown Jerusalem. He preached the message. They had to go to the other side of the Jordan. In the wilderness, he's dressed in the garb of somebody hides. He's eating locusts and wild honey. He is living the lifestyle of people who have experienced judgment. When the enemy came in and conquered your area, they emptied your closets, they emptied your pantries, they destroyed everything, and you were out in the wilderness to save your life from slaughter, and you're wearing whatever you can find, and you're eating locusts and wild honey, whatever you can get your hands on. We had a fellow in our congreg- in our who's many many times been to our church. Seton Lee. He spent six years in one of Paul Potts' concentration camps. Out in the fields, they're working. They're just looking for some. This young lady grabbed a land crab and tossed it to Seton, and he threw it in his mouth and chewed. Well, if it's that or starvation, you chew the raw living land crab and swallow it. 
that was John, what was John's message? By life as well as by word was repent. The kingdom of, of, of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, re, get yourself right with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus came out, was baptized by John, linking himself to John's message. John is his herald. He is the one getting the things set right in the hearts of the people to hear Jesus' message. Then Jesus comes and he voices the same message. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But as soon as he's been baptized and John hears these words as well as Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus immediately goes out into the desert. In fact, it says immediately the Spirit. By the way, the word immediately is used 41 times in the Gospel of Mark. It's, I think it's Peter's favorite word. Immediately, straightway, 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 the old King James. Immediately, immediately, then this, then this, then this. Okay. Immediately, the Spirit drove him or sent him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts. He's in a hostile, dangerous environment. And he's tempted, tested by Satan. Now we know the larger narrative from the other Gospels. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. 40 is the number of testing in the Bible. The flood, the rain fell 40 days. Israel was 40 years in the wilderness. 40 is the number of testing where it proves your righteousness or it sets you right, gets you cleansed of the nonsense that you're carrying. Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness between their exodus from Egypt and their entry into the promised land. The last 38 of those years was unnecessary, but they had rebelled against God, and so God said, okay, I've got to spend the next 38 years taking away all the men all the males from 20 years old and above are going to die. And then the children that they were so frightened for will go in and do the conquering. Forty is the number of testing. And Jesus fasted in the wilderness. And I learned something from a classmate in seminary who did his master's thesis on fasting, on physical fasting. If you go do a water-only fast, the standard amount of Stored resources, we call it fat, <laughs> that a normal, an average human being on the planet carries will last you for 40 days. That's the standard amount. And so Jesus went out and he said, if you do a water-only fast, about the third day you stop being hungry because your body turns away from its, its, uh, your digestive system to its stored resources and around the 40th day, you will become hungry. That's, you've used up your stored resources in your body. You've now started to starve to death. Your body is starting to use up your vital organs as a resource. And typically, it's about 10 to 15 days later, the person will die. Jesus is fasted 40 days in the wilderness. On the 40th day, it says in the other gospel accounts, he became hungry. 
which means he started the process of starving to death. And then Satan came to him and said, why don't you turn these rocks into bread if you're the son of God? And I love the fact that Jesus only used the same weapon, the same resource available to us. He used the word of God. Man shall not live, Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then he takes Jesus to Jerusalem and stands him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, why don't you cast yourself down? You'll get a whole lot of attention if you throw yourself down and you don't die. After all, God loves you. He's going to catch you. He's going to send his angels to catch you. You can do this. You can do this. And Jesus says, you shall not do a stupid thing and test the Lord. <laughs> you don't do stupid stupidity and expect God to rescue you. No. And then... He takes him up on a high mountain and shows him all the treasures of the world. If you will but fall down and worship me, all this will be yours. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Jesus answered Satan. He used the same arsenal that is available to us, and he succeeded. And then angels came and brought him bread. He passed the test. What is it that entices you and me when Satan comes to us? Oh, Mark, I'll give you all this wonderful stuff of the world. Let me ask you a question. When we step into the presence of our redeeming God, what sort of things is he going to gift us with? His own welcoming presence. The best that Lucifer, by the way, Lucifer doesn't own the world. <laughs> He's a liar. But even if he could do that, folks, that's pocket change. Nonsense compared to what our God has awaiting us. Jesus was tested in the wilderness for 40 days. He passed the test. Then verse 14. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Change your orientation. Get your mind right. Get your heart right. And believe in the gospel. The gospel. The good news. Wait a minute. Now, there is good news attaching that kingdom promise that coming kingdom promise, we're going to be welcomed into the welcoming embrace of the mercy, the God of mercy and kindness. That's there. But Jesus is emphatic on believe the gospel, the good news. He's about to make the, with his own work on the cross, he's going to make the good news possible because he's going to be, bear the judgment owed to us so that his Holy Father will have perfect freedom to pour out mercy and forgiveness on us. Believe the gospel. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, here are the tradesmen he goes to. He doesn't go to uh, the Pharisees. He doesn't go to the Sadducees. He doesn't go to those highly educated fellows there in Jerusalem. No. <coughs> he goes to the tradesmen, the guys who actually know how to get stuff done. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. I'll teach you a new trade. 
they immediately left their nets and followed him. By the way, we know from the Gospel of John that John and Andrew were all, had already been disciples of John the Baptist. Disciples of John the Baptist. And they were standing there with John the Baptist, their discipler, when Jesus walked by. This is in John's Gospel. And John the Baptist said of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that is when John and Andrew, the younger brothers, went and followed Jesus. And Jesus is walking along, and these two guys are following him, and he turns around, where are you guys going? Wherever you are hanging out, that's where we're going to be hanging out. Okay, come and join me. Now they've returned to their trading, their fishing trade for a little bit, and now Jesus comes and calls them. Simon and Andrew, and then James. Verse 19, when he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. The first two brothers were casting their nets. The second two set of brothers were mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. So they're not abandoning Zebedee to disaster. Zebedee already has hired guys. He's apparently a pretty successful fisherman. And, but they go to follow Jesus. Verse 20, 21, Then they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. What was their standard experience when they went to the synagogue the rabbi would be seated the people would be standing the rabbi would read from the scripture and then he would explain the scriptures but whenever the, the scribe or rabbi explained the scripture he would say and as he read the well rabbi so-and-so says it means this rabbi so-and-so says it means this they never claimed authority for them they were always citing some other human authority as to the meaning of the text what does jesus do as he would read the text then he would say now let me tell you what it means I'll tell you what it means. He pointed to himself as the authority of the, well, who guided the pen of the prophets as they wrote? The same person who is explaining the text to them. And so he is speaking to them as someone having authority. He's not citing other people. He's citing himself. What kind of an egomaniac is this? Well, he's the actual author explaining his writing. That's not egotistical. That's simple, basic simplicity. I wrote it. I'll tell you what it means. They went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the Sabbath synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a certain man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. So there's another testimony that's going to be made of a very different sort. And he, the demonic spirit, the unclean spirit, cried out saying, Let us alone. Notice, let us alone. 
Well, that's an italic. I said, let alone, leave me alone. <laughs> what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. What do the demons know? You know what, folks? The lake of fire. is created for the devil and his angels. What do the demons know? By the way, demon, the, the English word demon comes from the Greek word daimon, meaning a divine being. That was a term used by the pagan Greeks and Romans to describe the gods that they worshipped. These are the demons are fallen angels. That one-third of the angelic core that joined Lucifer in his rebellion. They know what ultimately awaits them is judgment. And what they do they know about Jesus of Nazareth? He is the one who's going to be sending them to that destiny in some day to come. Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You know, there's some uh, witnesses you really don't want their testimony. <laughs> and so Jesus says, shut up, shut up. Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And the demons must obey. Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed. Everybody in that synagogue congregation was shocked. They were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. They obey him. Now, there were Jewish religious leaders that actually did do the work of casting out demons, but they weren't always successful, and it was always a big-time wrestling match. Not so with Jesus. When he said the word, they obeyed. They had to. They had no choice. They know he is the Lord of lords and God of gods and King of kings. They obeyed him. They had no choice. But when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? Here's a proof Jesus has just given them teaching that they weren't used to. Now, here is a dem demonstrated truth of his authority in the spiritual realm. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine or teaching is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. They didn't always obey the Jews who tried to cast out demons. Remember that episode in the book of Acts where some uh, sons of a fellow who they had, the, uh, they had the task of casting out demons and they were getting defeated over and over again and then they heard about the Apostle Paul and his success in casting out demons and so they came to this woman who was demon-possessed 
and I think it was the sons of Sceva or something. And they cast, tried to cast out the demons in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demon responded, uh, <clears throat> I know who Jesus is. I know who Paul is. I don't know you guys. And he attacked them. And they had to flee the house. Why? They didn't have the standing with God that gave them the authority to cast them out, to rule over the fallen angels, the demons. Well, Jesus did, obviously. So did his true followers. So do we. Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, they came out of him. He came out of him. Then they were all amazed. The congregation was all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. It went out. They had just witnessed an outrageous event. By the way, he's in Galilee. What it says in Matthew's gospel is that while he's up there, the, the word goes out. They even brought to him the sick, the leprous, and the demon-possessed from Syria. <coughs> from Syria. To be cleansed. And Jesus did it all. Did it all. Immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately, there's our word again, and immediately the fever left her. And she served. She didn't just start to get better. She got instantly energized. Full health. Full vitality. Full energy. She immediately started serving them. At evening when the sun had set. How far did the word go out? How shocked was the populace there in Capernaum? Word went out a long ways, really fast, at evening when the sun had set. And so this is the new day. Remember, the Jewish day is sundown to sundown. The sun had set. It's no longer the Sabbath. It's now the first day of the week. At evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed and the whole city. Capernaum's not a tiny village. It's a pretty good-sized town there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The whole city was gathered together at the door, at Simon Peter's door. The whole town <laughs> was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak. Because they knew him. You know, there are some beings you don't want testifying for you. And demons are the kind of witnesses you really don't want. So Jesus shut them up. But he did. He accomplished whatever they asked him to accomplish in healing or casting out demons, whatever it was. Jesus got it done. And they are shocked, shocked, shocked. Because what is the purpose of these signs, these miracles? It's to attest 
testify to the witness, to the words, and to the person speaking the words. This was a testimony about Jesus, who he was, and attesting to his message to them. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let me tell you the gospel, the good news. And you can read the Hebrew prophets and hear the gospel. And hear the gospel. If you don't already know it, I would suggest when you get home, turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Folks, there's no more clearer gospel presentation in the New Testament than you find in Isaiah 53, which was written 700 years before Jesus' birth. There it is, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. This is verse 6 of Isaiah 53. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As we go through Matthew, through Mark's gospel, we're going to, it's going to be event, followed by event, followed by event, followed by... Peter is very, he was a task doer. <laughs> Jesus was the task master. He is the task doer. And he, he's seeing Jesus, he's explaining Jesus did this, then Jesus did this, then Jesus did this. He didn't just speak a good game, he played a good game. And that is what we have been called to do. We have been called to the task of being his testifiers in this world world regardless of the response of the community were to continue to testify about Jesus let's pray for that opportunity and also that stout courage our Lord we are asking that this week you get every person in this room right now give every person at least one opportunity to speak gospel truth to someone that needs it. And with that opportunity, that Holy Spirit prodding to speak it out. Clearly, simply, and that you will be the one present making it understood and welcomed by those who hear. We ask for this outcome. Those people that we've already prayed for, who need physical healing, but Lord, especially also those who need spiritual light and life granted to them, that you would give it to them, all to your glory and praise and their deliverance. In your name, King Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.